The Healthcare Quality Cast is powered by the Quality Coaching Company. If you'd like to work with us to earn your Lean Six Sigma for healthcare certification or partner with our innovative corporate training and coaching programs to successfully scale your continuous improvement initiatives, then click the link below to learn more and apply. Hey, quality people, welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast. I'm your host, Jarvis Gray, and in this podcast, we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring industry leaders. We dive deep into the career journeys of these leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for their patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. Now, let's meet today's quality guests. Thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And today I am here with my guest, Frank Kahn. Frank, are you ready to share with some quality people? I am. Thank you for having me. All right, wonderful. Frank, thank you for saying yes, man. And I, uh, I just have to start bragging about you even before I get into my first questions. It's just a long time in the making. Um, again, you've been someone who's been on my list. So again, thank you for accepting this invitation, Frank. And um, as you know, we love to start every show with positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. So I would love if you could please share a favorite leadership quote or mindset but tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply it on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, you know, there are so many quotes that, um, that come to mind, but you know, there are three that I tend to go back to uh, quite often. Uh, and those, I think the three of those quotes collectively contribute to just a mindset that I, that I, that I have. Uh, the first quote is uh, by Mahatma Gandhi and it's, you know, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Uh, the second is uh, from Albert Einstein. Uh, and how he defined insanity as doing the same thing over and over again and expecting uh, different different results. And then the last one is is from Bruce Lee, actually, and to to be like water, you know, and you know that to empty your mind, be formless, and be shapeless like water, you know, and to to because water can flow and and it can crash. And if you were to fill um, water into a cup, you know, it becomes a cup. So. Um, collectively, I, I view that as, you know, with healthcare just changing constantly, we have no choice to just be able to adapt uh, to that change, you know, frequently and often. And so, especially now, you know, with COVID-19, you know, we're learning things day by day, you know, almost, and we have to be able to adapt and respond to that effectively. So these quotes just are words that I live by, especially when responding to change. All right, perfect. Well, I, I have to say that any show that starts with um, quotes by Gandhi, Einstein, and Bruce Lee, man, you, you are setting the bar pretty doggone high. So <laughs> I can't wait to see where else we go. Um, you know, those are, uh, I mean, you know, those are obviously three, um, you know, classic historical quotes and, you know, figures in pop culture and, and other cultures. But um Again, I love all three of those, given our audience, given our topics around healthcare, healthcare quality. Mm -hmm. So um, awesome, man. Thank you for getting our show started there. Um, I'm going to move you to this question, Frank, and I am giving you a heads up right now that I am going to go all kinds of off script because okay. 
because like I said, you've been on my list um, of folks <laughs> that I really wanted to get on this show because you have a really unique background. And I, I say that about so many of the guests that have been on this show, Frank, but um, I have some key things that I want to pick out of your, um, out of your background and your, your career path. Sure. So let me just give you the basic question and then I'm going to be quiet. But then I'm letting you know already, I'm, I'm coming back with more questions just about your background, man, because I really want to. Absolutely. Yeah, I really want to highlight this um, for our listeners that plug in. I want them to check out your profile and, and you know, I want the light bulbs to kind of start flickering and, you know, for them to ask questions and hopefully connect with you following this show um, to ask more questions as well. But um, all that, that was just a big setup, Frank, just to let you know. But uh, right, I'm ready. <laughs> so the official question uh, would love for you to, to describe um, your current role, your professional background, and definitely what led into this career path. For you. So currently, um, I'm like a patient safety uh, consultant, an internal consultant for a large uh, integrated healthcare system in, in Northern California. And my main charge uh, was to um, implement our high reliability and safety program and as well as to sustain uh, this, these uh, measures and, and programs associated with that. And, uh, you know, we have a, we cover a wide region out here in Northern California and we um, have acute care facilities, ambulatory care facilities, and uh, care at home uh, facilities. And so our program, our high reliability and safety program was crafted in such a way that um, you know, each each segment, each each um, sector or services uh, can utilize the concepts and, and tools that we're that we're teaching. And so right now we're in that phase of sustainment. And so we're trying to you know get out to the different sites, understand you know where they where they are in their journey, and try to help them uh, kind of sustain those gains um, as you will. And we're we're pretty young in our journey. We've only been about three years into it now. So. Um, but we're starting to, to really realize some of the, the improvements uh, from the training and from the, uh, the leadership uh, roles that people have taken on in terms of safety. And uh, it's been a really great journey uh, so far. But as far as how I got into this, uh, this discipline, it's been a, I've had a non-traditional route, actually. Um, in undergrad, uh, I majored in psychology. And my first internship out of college was uh, at Stanford. Uh, where I was like a research assistant uh, in psychiatry. Um, from there, I landed a job in their clinical uh, neuropsychology department where I pretty much worked there for the majority of my healthcare career so far, almost a little bit over 11 years. And uh, the function in that role kind of was like a, a physician assistant that operated under um, the license of, of doctors. And my role was to uh, conduct neuropsychological assessments with patients that had uh, various neurological and sometimes psychiatric uh, conditions. So like Parkinson's, MS, but I've even seen um, schizophrenic, uh, manic depression, uh, and all, I mean, you name it, I've, I've pretty much seen it um, in that role. And, well, and at and one point I had, uh, go ahead. No, sorry. I, I was going to jump in quickly because that was one of the questions or one of the roles that I did want to pull out because when I yeah. saw that, I was like, what is that? And could you, at least for now, it's lead psychometrician. Is that how you pronounce psychometrician, it? Psychometrician. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Psychometrician. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the, I the love easiest, the way you even have it like described on your LinkedIn page as well. I mean, it, it your entire LinkedIn page again, really impressive. It speaks to me, I, like I'm almost talking to you when I read it. But when I saw that oh, rollout, yeah, when I saw that roll, I was just like, "What is that?" I'm I'm intrigued. So thank you for highlighting that. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I actually get that question quite a bit. Like, what is that? I've never heard of that. <laughs> and uh, the the easiest analogy I could think of is. Like, you know, like Myers-Briggs, like those personality assessments, that mm. is a form of psychometrics, if you will. Right. And so um, these tests that we, I used to uh, deliver were mostly around things like cognition, memory, motor functioning, and then there are some behavioral elements as well. And so um, just to give you an example, like some of the patients that we would see were maybe um, candidates for um, like life changing surgeries. Uh, and we would have to assess like pre and post surgery, like what was their their functioning like before the surgery, and then afterwards to see whether if there was any uh, improvements as a result. But then we also saw cases where uh, maybe someone suffered a uh, a head injury. So you know we used to see athletes as well, um, and whether or not they can return back to work, for example, or go back to driving. You know, so it was a really really unique role, and um, I really enjoyed it. But after doing it for like about 11 years and um, I had gotten into a PhD program in clinical psychology and I realized you know I don't know if I want to do this uh, I don't know if I want to you know go on in this field and I had other interests uh, in business as well and at that time I was um, I was dancing professionally um, with a salsa dance team and so I had an interest in entertainment management as well and, and sports as well and so I ended up going to business school uh, to just try to explore those other interests and um, I explored entertainment management, but I had a, a meeting with one of my professors and I had expressed to him my interest in, in kind of leaving healthcare and exploring entertainment. And he said, you know, I'm looking at your, at your background. You're one of the very few students in our program that has, you know, a healthcare background. I would advise you to stay in healthcare and you can do anything you want in the field after you get this degree. Just, you know, the door, I mean, the door is wide open if you just stay within this field. If you get into entertainment, you know, you might have some additional challenges, you know, and uh, because I don't have any experience in the field, I had to start at the bottom. Whereas it, it, was, it was in his opinion that if I were to pursue healthcare and stay in healthcare, that there are just more growth opportunities for me. And I could probably still figure out a way to blend all these other interests into one role. So, you know, I took his advice and I just stayed the course. and. Um, after I finished business school, I, I transitioned into uh, my first quality role. Um, and that's pretty much how I entered uh, this discipline. Perfect. And I, I will say with that extra information, of course, now, Frank, um, it, I don't want to say it makes sense. I guess it connects the dots. Um, because again, for our listeners, when you get the chance to check out Frank's LinkedIn page and some of the things he's doing and posting, you're going to find these amazing videos about some of the patient safety work that he's leading and they're so well done. And maybe that, I don't know if that connects back to some of that entertainment piece you were just mentioning then, um, because I mean, these are next level high quality videos that, that are rare for the things we do in healthcare. So well, very well done. Um, well, you know, you're, you're spot on in that. Um, I didn't realize that I would enjoy that work, uh, this work so much, but, when I take a step back and I really look at it, it, it's performing. You know, it's like what I used to do 
uh, when I was dancing. So, and I used to teach a lot as well um, as a professional salsa dancer. So it all just kind of comes naturally. Nice. And it's a really nice blend of, of everything I've done in my past, just kind of just lumped up into, into one role. And, you know, the magic behind uh, those videos really is because of a collaboration I have with a lot of, um, of my colleagues. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people, a lot of time put into those videos. And really, I'm just the, the face on that screen. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's a really fun, fun work that we're engaged in. And uh, yeah, we're very proud of it. Again, man, you, you know, I, I've shared it with you already. I love those things, um, those videos. But let me, let me hop down to a few other call outs about your, your professional background, because you literally have three certifications and I, I'm a pretty mm. well credentialed professional, um, but you have mm. three certifications that I do not have, but they are on my list of things to look into. So would love to just ask about, you know, if you can give us the quick, maybe 30 second highlight of each of these. Um, your certified change management practitioner from Proce. Um, your healthcare accreditation and certified professional uh, credential, and then your certified professional in patient safety. Um, could you just speak mm. on what those are and kind of, I don't know, what made you pursue those and maybe the experience of pursuing them and how that adds yeah. to the work that you do? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start with the accreditation uh, one. Um, I was working out in a, a Central Valley, Central California hospital and um, I was uh, working with our accreditation manager at the time, because as you know, and you know, a lot of the regulatory requirements, patient safety is kind of incorporated in there, right? And so uh, my boss at the time, I said, listen, I'm going to send you out uh, to this conference. It's an accreditation conference. Oh, and by the way, when you leave that conference, you're going to come back, hopefully, with certification, you know? And so I, at the time, I didn't really know much about it, but you know, after reading it and realizing the connection to patient safety, I said, "Yep, yeah, I'm game. You know, I'll do it." And so I kind of fell into that, into that certification. But now it's been one of the most um, crucial uh, and beneficial uh, certifications that I have, just because you know the regulations. Again, there's a lot of requirements for quality and safety embedded within them, and the regulations change, you know, quite a bit. So it's it's helpful to kind of stay up to date. On those things, even if you don't use them, um, I don't use use the accreditation particularly in, in my role right now. But I do know of other quality and safety professionals out at other organizations that you know uh, interact with the Joint Commission a lot, interact with CMS in the state, and that certification definitely uh, comes in handy. Um, and then the patient safety certification is something that um, I pursued independently, just because you know I've noticed that there are a lot of uh, professionals in patient safety that had that certification. And so in talking with um, a lot of my mentors about it and asking them if it would be beneficial for me to pursue that, uh, they all agreed. Uh, and so I kind of did that one in conjunction with the CPHQ uh, accreditation. So I did that simultaneously. And then the most recent one I would say is the change management uh, certification from uh, ProSci. Uh, this was something that was offered through uh, my current organization. Uh, and it's something that I'm just really drawn to. It, it kind of goes back to my my quote, my quote that I referred referred to earlier. I've always been naturally drawn to just being adaptable to change because just things happen. Just you know, life just changes you know all the time, and you have to be able to adapt. And um, when I saw that this program was uh, available, and I, I just took one class 
with a, a change management instructor, I just fell in love with the concepts because it really uh, dives into uh, the people side uh, of change. And that's, you know, all these improvement projects that we do and that we lead within our organizations, it involves people, you know, that do that work. And I feel that sometimes um, we don't take the time to really factor that in. You know, maybe we have an idea as to how to improve a workflow or a process to receive, you know, or to get better outcomes, hopefully. But then I think sometimes we forget to factor in that, you know, is this change going to benefit the people that are actually responsible for implementing the change? And that's where that certification kind of comes in. Perfect. And again, you know, from our first conversation, I know we had a really good talk about change management and the opportunities that I think healthcare has to do change management better. Um, so again, a lot of it is totally making sense in my head, but man, I, I'm just excited again for the way that you've built up your professional profile, the fact that we get to highlight it on this podcast um, for other healthcare professionals just like us, if they're not already kind of plugged into the things that you're plugged into, man, I, I really think your message and just that overview is going to go very far. So thank you for letting me just live on this question for as long as you, you know, as long as we have for the past few minutes. Um, but Frank, I'm going to move you to our next question. And this is the classic dark place question for our show, um, where I would love for you to share with us a moment that you would consider your best moment of failure, but take us through that moment. Tell us a story, help us understand, you know, the thought processes you were going through, but definitely mm -hmm. the major lessons gained from that moment. You know, uh, the one, the one story that comes to mind is, uh, I remember I, um, I had, it was my first formal uh, role in, in leadership. And uh, I got this short stint at a, at a local um, community-based hospital. And um, I was there three months. And within that three months, um, a new CEO came on board and they were going through some organizational changes. And, you know, the, leader, the leaders that hired me at the time, they told me that this was happening. But, you know, the role that they, they had told me that was, you know, pretty secure. I didn't have anything to worry about. So I, I took it. You know, I took the risk. And so three months into the role, you know, the, the new CEO came on board and he essentially just kind of cleaned house basically and, and did a restructuring. And unfortunately, uh, after three months, um, I was laid off. And that was my first uh, experience of that. And at that time, uh, my wife and I, uh, we just had our, 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 first, our first baby. And, uh, you know, we were living in the Bay Area at the time, Bay Area, California. And as you know, one of the most expensive places to live. <laughs> and uh, I was I was worried, you know, and uh, I at that time, I felt even though it wasn't my fault, um, I felt like I made a bad decision. You know, I put my um, our our life and my, my, my new daughter's life in, in jeopardy. I just felt like a failure, basically, um, as a spouse, as a parent, as a professional. And at the time, I was volunteering for our local um, uh, American College of Healthcare Executives uh, chapter, uh, California Associ Association of Healthcare Leaders. I was volunteering for them. And I, I mean, I had just reached a low point and I talked to who I consumed to be like, considered one of my, um, my mentors and, and one of my friends and, uh, in, the, in the healthcare profession. And I told him, I said, you know, I, I can't do this right now. I can't, I can't serve anymore because I really need to focus on finding another job because our, my livelihood's at stake. You know, our, our savings were pretty much running dry. It had been several months 
And we had a really deep conversation that day. And he told me, he said, you know, um, I totally get where you're coming from. You know, if I were in your shoes, I'd probably feel the same kind of emotions that, that you're that you're feeling right now. It's like, but as your mentor, as your friend, now is not the time to stop. You know, we love having you here. Obviously, we we you know you bring a lot of value to to us and this organization and and the people that you serve. But for you, um, now is not the time to stop. If anything, now is the time to keep going and to network. He's like, you have all of these executives here with different organizations that you can network with. That's what you should do. Keep serving, keep networking, keep talking to people, and the opportunity will come. I guarantee it. And you know, it was hard. It was a hard decision, but I, I stuck it out. I listened to him. And a couple of months later, I ended up getting two job offers, uh, and one of which was uh, the patient safety officer role that was in Central California. And that's pretty much what was my start in patient safety. And the rest, as they say, was history. Well, I, I appreciate you taking us back to that particular moment, Frank, because it is, um, I'll, I'll say as relevant now as we're going through all of our COVID challenges, a number of healthcare organizations have um, you know, started furloughing and reducing their staff as a result of the financial yeah. impacts. So again, you know, I think a message like that is very relevant. Um, We also just released a show pretty recently with uh, Mr. Tim Gorton, who is a healthcare professional in transition. And he had a very similar story in that he's using his transition time to do a lot of stuff like you just mentioned um, around volunteering, around mentoring and, you know, staying very active. Um, Frank, one of the things I learned from that conversation, and I kind of hear something very similar in the story you just shared, is in times of transition, um, but, uh, you know, I'd say before transition, but definitely during times of transition, that's the time to plug in with your community, to network, and to kind of really get the energy back. Um, could you Absolutely. Sp- yeah, could you speak to yeah. just kind of maybe solidifying that message a little bit more? And any yeah. other things that you did from a networking point of view, just, you know, again, for any of our folks who may be in a similar situation, given, you know, the state of the world right now, that could yeah. piece together that message and kind of pull themselves up out of it. as Yeah, you know, what I what I did during that time was I just started reaching out and, and some of and my, my mentor had helped me and, you know, introducing me to some executives that I didn't know all that well. But I just started conducting a lot of informational interviews. I just wanted to pick their brain, like how do they get to where they are, get a sense of their journey. And what I learned from pretty much all of those interactions is that at some point in their career, they too had also gone through some kind of transition, like what I had been going through at that time. And the important thing for me was that emotionally, it was just so beneficial to be able to hear that others have gone through or maybe going through a similar thing. Like I didn't feel like alone at that time. And that was the switch. That was the thing that just turned things around. When I realized that, Hey, you know what? This is just all part of the journey. This is nothing on you. It's just life. Sometimes what are you going to do? Are you going to, you know, you're going to sit down and feel sorry for yourself or are you going to adapt to that change and just go for it and just keep learning, keep, you know, stay hungry and, and learn as much as you can from those that have been there and that are doing it. And as soon as I changed that mindset, 
then things just kind of took off and the opportunities just, just started coming to me. All right. Perfect. Now I appreciate that. Those extra thoughts. And, you know, the big thing, um, again, out of everything you shared there was the fact that you said, I didn't feel like I was alone. You know, other folks had gone through the same journey. And I think that's one of the big takeaways just in the world of networking and, you know, having a community is just that feeling like you just expressed. But um, again, just during the time of transition that you could build the relationships and kind of keep things going forward. Uh, very important. So uh, Frank, thank you again for all of those thoughts. Um, I am going to go ahead and move you to the next question just to kind of pick us up out of the dark place a little bit. But um, Frank, I would love if you could give our quality people a tip, tool, or tactic that you found works very well for building up those intimate connections within your project teams and share with us what it is and how do you apply it? Yeah, you know, um, the tip uh, or a tool rather that I always use because um, I give a lot of um, presentations. I teach a lot of classes for my organization. I, I lead a lot of um, improvement projects with, you know, interdisciplinary teams. The one thing I always make a point of doing is to know my audience, uh, you know, know like what resonates with them because, you know, I may be working with nurses and doctors or infection control professionals or even non-clinicians. And it's, it, it helps to really know what drives them and, and essentially what's in it for them. Because we, we shouldn't assume that just because, you know, just to say like, oh, well, it's for the safety of our patients. Like that's not always good enough uh, because maybe the, the, the improvement that we're trying to, to implement might actually uh, make things worse uh, for those that are actually responsible uh, for doing the work, you know? And so, um, or it could even actually, uh, make outcomes worse. Uh, we don't we don't know, and so it's important to understand um, how it impacts the people um, that you're working with and who are responsible for the work. Uh, and so knowing you know what's in it for them is, is really important. And this and to start very small, like run just really pilots and small tests of change to see if you can get the results, and just don't rush to spread you know right away. All right, perfect. And I, I love that. Um, on my end, I, I call it the Wisic moment the why should I care? And <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, uh, you know, I'll start off a number of my meetings that I facilitate with uh, an icebreaker that I call the hidden agenda. And it's literally just asking teams to put their hidden agendas on the table, because if you don't tell me what it is, I can't help you achieve your hidden agenda. Um, do you have any mm -hmm. tools or approaches in a similar mindset that you just get people to put it all out on the table so you guys can, you know, appreciate those, those areas and move forward. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this, this is, uh, tapping into something, um, uh, that I experienced when I was a patient safety officer. Um, I remember, um, I was rounding, um, on one of the units and I was about to give a presentation to some frontline nurses about fall, about their fall performance. Um, this unit in particular, uh, they weren't doing so well, and so I was asked to kind of help them design a project to improve their fall rate and uh, fall with injury rate. And I remember I was I was giving this talk with these nurses, and a nurse, you know, she raised her hand and said, "You know what? This is great stuff. I I, I totally on board with what with what you're proposing here, but um, we're busy seeing patients, and what you're proposing here, it's just not feasible. Like you know." We see like four to five patients 
each. And, you know, we're kind of bouncing around rooms and responding to, to emergencies and, and alarms. And um, we can't do this. And it's just not, it's not, it's not going to work. Um, it's not to say that she was a naysayer, but when I took a look at, and I asked her to explain a little bit further, like, well, tell me where the, where the gaps are. And after she explained it to me, like, I, I understood exactly where she was coming from. But then there were also some uh, nurses there that didn't believe that they had um, an issue with falls. They felt that, you know, hey, we're, we're doing everything. We're keeping our patients safe. And so that's when I went back and I kind of pulled some data, you know, you know sliced and diced it a little bit and, you know, made it really relevant to them and, and their particular unit. And I, I, you know, put it on a run chart for like a certain time period. I said, look, here, here, here's, your, here's your fall rate over this time period. Here are the patients that, uh, the, the patient demographics that are impacted the most. And it was like a, a light just went on. It's like they weren't even aware that uh, it was that much of an issue. And after that, you know, the partnership was, was very easy. We were able to kind of uh, get, get to work and design some improvement projects and really bring their, their fall rate down. So again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier and really just go where they are, you know, understand what they're up against and, and, and what's in it for them. And then when you can deliver, you know, the why and, and, and the how and help them understand the reason why it's important to do this, um, then good things will come out of it. Perfect. No, I appreciate that. And uh, Frank, I'm going to move us to the next question, but would you be okay? Can I call a 60 second timeout? Um, I think, I think my two-year-old is crying upstairs. Let me check her. Absolutely. Cool. I'll be, I'll be right back. Thank you for that. I'll be right okay. back, man. All right, Frank, you still there, man? Yeah, I'm here, man. I hope everything's all right. All right. No, everything's good. My, my daughter is going through this thing where she has a cape that she likes to wear. And <laughs> apparently the cape fell off in the middle of sleep. And so she was crying, <laughs> she, you know, my cape on, my cape on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all oh, right. That's awesome, man. Yeah, the good stuff. Uh, all right, so we are at the aha question. So I'm just going to pick it right back up. I apologize for that, but okay. um, yeah, get back no into it. <clears throat> all right, Frank, so I would love for you to now take us to one of the best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare leader. But again, you know, take us through that moment. Um, how did the idea strike you? And definitely if you were able to turn it into a personal or professional success. Yeah, um, you know, I've had a lot of aha moments in, in my career and continue to do so now. Um, but I would say there was one that happened not too long ago that, you know, has really stuck uh, with me. Um, I was at a, uh, a healthcare quality conference uh, and I was in a, like a breakout session and we were looking at a case, uh, a group of us, uh, they were kind of, we were broken out into tables and um, it was an infection control case. And so um, the presenters um, gave us the case and we were then to kind of break out into our groups and, just kind of have a conversation about it and think about ways to, that we could potentially improve. Um, when we broke out, um, there was a nurse uh, that was sitting next to me and she just gave out like this really heavy sigh. And before we could really even get to, into any discussion, she stated, you know, gosh, this is so frustrating. Uh, and she said, you know, I've been a nurse for 20 years and we're still talking about the same issues. So I just, I'm left here thinking like, you know, did I just waste 20 years of my life? Like, what is the point? You know, eventually we started talking and we got through um, the, the, the session, but I have to tell you, I left that, I left that, that conference thinking like, 
uh oh, you know, am I doomed to, to kind of experience that as well? Am I going to get into this field? You know, I'm already several years into it. Am I going to have that same kind of uh, realization 20 years, you know, down the road? Um, and then shortly thereafter, I actually attended the uh, change management certification that we talked about uh, earlier. And one of the things that stuck with me there is that they, they made the point that, you know, so many projects fail because they don't factor in the people side of change before they start the project. It's usually an afterthought after they've already started and they realize like, oh, we got to change certain things. And they're just kind of missing the whole point or the essence of what change management is really designed uh, to address. You know, I think I go back to my, my psychology um, background. And when you think about, you know, patients that go through counseling or therapy, you know, with, their, with and what they're designing for them are essentially change management practices, but just for, you know, their lives, for their personal lives and for their uh, mental health. Well, the same thing kind of applies here um, in that, you know, what we're thinking about in designing a change management strategy is we're trying to figure out like, um, are people aware of this change or do, are they aware that the change needs to happen? Uh, and if so, do they even want to change and how do we respond to that? And even after we implement this change, do we have something baked in to kind of keep reinforcing it? Because we know uh, if we don't reinforce it, it's liable to just kind of uh, fall off their, fall off their radar. And so that was really my aha moment. And that's when I realized like, that's it. That maybe that's the reason why we're still talking about the same quality and safety initiatives 20 years later is because we haven't factored in change management. And that's really, I feel, is what's guiding me through uh, my career right now. Like every uh, project that I've been involved in since then, I'm, I'm definitely factoring those, those elements in now. Well, that, that is, again, you know, as we talked about it, um, that was the aha moment that I, I knew was there. And yet, you know, I'm the first to say, I don't always incorporate change management principles into my projects. I just go and do my projects. Um, now, from my personal training, um, I grew up in the Cotter, um, you know, change model, the eight phases of uh, change that start with, um, uh, was it a sense of urgency, building a guiding coalition, developing a vision and so forth. Um, and then I'm also very familiar with this other model. I think it's called like the model for managing complex change that has the algorithm, like if your vision plus your resources, plus your training, all of those, if they're all kind of in alignment, then it equals change. Mm -hmm. But if any one of those pieces are missing, then there are other outcomes that, that it leads to. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Um, but I, I know, again, with your background with ProSci, uh, is there a good model for change and change management that you could just quickly share or rattle off the top of your brain that our listeners, our quality people can just go Google themselves and, you know, start to consider change management as the first part of any um, improvement initiative that they're taking on? Yeah, sure. Now, I have to say, I don't work for ProSci, so I'm not, you know, sure. trying to promote Absolutely. that, but, you know, given that this is, you know, how I'm trained, um, you know, their, their change management change management model is uh, ADCAR, ADCAR and the A right. stands, yeah, ADCAR, yeah. So the, uh, the awareness, the desire, the knowledge, the ability, and then their reinforcement 
that is their model uh, for change. And basically, you know, the way it works is, you know, you, you meet with, you know, key stakeholders, you know, you conduct an assessment, and you just kind of figure out like where on that model are the greatest barriers. And let's say, for example, it's the desire or maybe the knowledge. Yeah, if those are coming high on that, um, on that uh, chart as key barriers, then those are the things that you need to address before you start the work, because otherwise it's going to be very difficult to then go back and have to address them after the fact. And so the ad card model is, is really, really, it's easy to follow. Um, and I think it's, it's very effective. All right. Perfect. And yeah, when I did my research on ProSci, I remember it, but I've just not learned it. But again, you know, there are, I'm, I'm sure in the world of change management, there are some there are a number of them out there. Like I said, yeah. Cotter is the one that I grew up on as a uh, quality improvement professional. But I, I think the big takeaway really is, you know, to our listeners, um, definitely, you know, first and foremost, consider change management at the front end of your projects, mm-hmm. but learning yep. a very specific model and learning how to apply that within the change management work you're doing. Um, you know, again, that that could be the difference maker you know, for that nurse from your story, Frank, uh, of, you know, literally saving 20 years of her career. So um, just a really big takeaway right there. So it's awesome. Um, Frank, the next question I have for you is that I would love for you to talk about and share some of the current changes that are taking place across the healthcare industry that you're personally excited about. Um, But share with us, you know, what it is and what role do you see quality professionals playing to promote and to support his longevity? Yep. Well, speaking of change yet again, uh, <laughs> um, one of the things that I'm really excited about is just how fast uh, or rapidly patient safety is growing as its own discipline, if you will. Uh, you know, traditionally, it's kind of lived under the you know, quality, risk umbrellas, and sometimes even uh, the regulatory umbrellas. But uh, now it's just becoming its own. In fact, like that's where I'm living right now. I, I'm uniquely positioned and patient safety and, and high reliability. Uh, and we're seeing this also with, with other uh, larger organizations and even universities now are offering uh, certifications or, or advanced level degrees uh, in patient safety. In fact, I'm uh, attending one of them right now to get my uh, second master's degree uh, in patient safety and healthcare quality because it's really, we need more people to, to kind of lead the charge in this work. It's just still a very young Field, but it's rapidly growing, and I, I'm really excited to where um, to see how things go, and especially with uh, all the new med- uh, technologies like with telemedicine and telehealth. There's there are patient safety elements uh, within that that we haven't really tapped into or really understand just yet. And I think that the more you know we develop technologically, like with AI and everything, there's going to be more and more opportunity uh, for patient safety uh, professionals. And we're even seeing that now in like medical school and, and nursing uh, training and curriculum. Um, you know, I, I spoke to a lot of the uh, earlier about how you know a lot of leaders, you know, in patient safety. I mean, there's a lot of physicians that are that are learning about this stuff now. You know, a lot of p- patient safety officers happen to be physicians or, or pharmacists. So it's really nice to see how the field is evolving. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to be a part of it. That's perfect. And I I am right there with you. So um, I love that answer. And, you know, the follow-up question on that is then what can the healthcare industry do 
to become a more attractive place for ambitious, talented, quality professionals to start and grow their careers. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, when I got into this field um, and I was just doing some research on patient safety professionals, I was looking for mentors, basically. And yeah, a lot of them were doctors and, and nurses. And I'm, I'm not a licensed provider, a traditional licensed provider per se. I mean, one could argue like, well, but you have kind of, you know, clinical experience with my psychometrician role. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, from a traditional sense, I, you know, I, I, I don't have that, that background. And, and even now, when you look at uh, leadership roles, like in quality and safety, a lot of them do require uh, nursing license, licenses uh, or pharmacy licenses. Um, I, I mentor a lot of graduate students and they always ask me like, gosh, you know, I really want to get into quality uh, and safety, but I, it's so hard to break in uh, when one, I don't have any healthcare experience or two, I have healthcare experience, but I don't have that license. So they feel stuck. And one of the things that I would love to see is for organizations to open up more leadership roles for those that have non-clinical uh, backgrounds. And, you know, you and I can kind of really connect with that given your engineering background, that I just feel that there's so many skills and talents that people from other industries uh, that they can bring to um, the quality and safety space. Uh, and as far as, you know, having to navigate the clinical elements of it, I mean, that's what, that's what collaboration and, and partnerships are for. I mean, that's how I'm able to, to get through that is that I rely heavily on my physician, nursing, and pharmacy colleagues uh, to really help, you know, work through that with me and help me you know, understand that. And then on the opposite end, I, I help navigate, you know, the, the change management side and then the project management side and, and leadership side of things. And so it really, it's, it's a nice partnership. Uh, but I would love to see, you know, our industry just kind of open up those doors more for for non-clinical folks. Yeah. And, you know, as a person that's been in healthcare for 13 plus years now, um, I'm right there with you. I am still waiting on that. And um, I, I've come across just through uh, the factors of this this podcast, a few chief quality officers that are not clinical. They're not doctors or nurses. You know, they are business people and engineers. And so, I think it's, you know, it's a gradual change, but man, I, I'm right there with yeah. you, Frank. I, I think, you know, my future vision, and I, I, I know this, I personally feel like it's kind of the controversial kind of mindset, but when we start getting um, chief quality officers start to move into the CEO role and then folks, you know, non-clinical quality leaders mm. like us move into yeah. the chief quality role. I think you're going to start to see, I, I hope that's my, my hope and my vision is just some dramatic changes, but you know, literally like the role of the CEO becomes the CQO, the role of the CQO becomes improvement professionals like us. That's, that's the, the healthcare industry I'm waiting. Yeah. And you know, that's very, that's very interesting. And you know, to add to that too, I think, you know, like part of the challenges I have too with, with, in working with some non-clinical folks as well is that to them, you know, they hear, you know, quality, they think that's clinical quality, or they hear patient safety, and they're like, well, I don't touch patients, I don't see patients, so this doesn't really apply to me. And so being able to bridge that gap and really demonstrating how, you know, quality touches <laughs> so many things, everything, that it doesn't matter if you are, you know, you know working in, in IS or HR, your work still does contribute to 
the overall quality and clinical quality uh, of the organization. I think there's an opportunity there that we as leaders can help kind of bridge that gap so that we can really all be on board with, with quality and, and safety for the organization. No, absolutely. We, we could talk a little bit about this even after your interview, but I'm, I'm working with a team now helping them to create a strategy map for their upcoming um, fiscal year strategy. And of course, it's going to be driven by the quality and patient safety plan. But of course, you know, the traditional strategy map starts with finance at the top. And I noted from our, right. first, our first workshop that we did about a week or week and a half ago, um, the, the top financial goal for this group is to improve their operating margin. And when that was the first thing I put on the board, oh, I mean, the eruptions that took place and, you know, mm. the arguments, it was like, no, our, our yeah. goal is to, <laughs> to have this, you know, uh, um, the, the, just the highest level of quality and patient safety. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, from this perspective, this is how we're starting. And it, it took a while to kind of get them to appreciate the financial point of view that I was really trying to, to make with this exercise. But, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we are way off track from our normal questions, but just this mindset is, you know, the business of healthcare quality plays into every aspect of the business of healthcare. So it's not just the one yep. department being led by a really exceptional nurse or clinician, but it's the diverse thinking of healthcare and business professionals making the industry better. And so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Some big changes coming. Uh, perfect. To get us back on track, Frank, um, I am going to now move us into a part of the show called the two-minute drill. Uh, very much my take on a rapid-fire Q&A and, you know, my playoff of football, which, Frank, I haven't mm-hmm. harassed you yet, but um, you sent me in your email that you were a Raiders fan. <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> I, I'll have to let you know, you know, I'm obviously an East Coast guy, but I think deep down inside, I'm also a Raiders fan, man, because I mean, you guys, <clears throat> you guys have had some of the most polarizing figures in football, man, from Bo Jackson, Marcus, yeah, Sackler, good history, yeah. you know, Tim Brown, <laughs> Howie Long. I mean, come on, man. So, uh, yeah. so I, I will allow it. Raiders is okay. okay. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Frank, uh, you ready to move into this, into this next segment of the show? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Perfect. Well, the uh, first question I have for you, Frank, is something of a two-parter where I would love for you to tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best. Then also share with us, how do you inspire others within your organization? Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna, I love to tell stories and I have a story about my, my daughter. Uh, one night, you know, this is when she was around three years old. She was running a really high fever and, you know, we tried to give her, you know, children's Tylenol and she kept just spitting it out. Um, she didn't like the way it tasted. Uh, and we got to a point where she was just really uncomfortable and we were tired. It was like two, three a.m. in the morning and we decided, okay, we got we to bring her in. We had called the advice nurse and they said, yep, bring her in because her fever was really high. And then uh, the nurse, the ER nurse, tried to give her Tylenol again, and um, the same thing, same same outcome. She just kept spitting it out. Uh, and so at that time, we kind of made a decision. All right, we, you know, we had to try, you know, a different route, the suppository route, which you know she we're all nervous about. But you know, her fever was so high, we we, we needed to bring it down. So the nurse got the medication, and she came back. Uh, and she started scanning the medication into the uh, the EHR there onto her computer, and this alert just kept popping up. 
Uh, and me being in, in patient safety, you know, I know whenever you see those alerts, because um, I saw her trying to bypass it as well. Um, I went over there and said, hey, you know, I noticed, I noticed the uh, safety alert there popping up. Is everything okay? And that's when she realized that she had grabbed an adult dose of uh, the medication, you know, apologized for her mistake, you know, went and got their appropriate dose and then successfully administered it. And then my daughter was fine um, afterwards. But that, that evening when we were driving home, you know, I looked over to my wife and I said, you know, if I wasn't there, would you have felt comfortable enough to kind of question things? And she said, no, like, why would I? You know, I mean, I don't know they're, I don't know what they're doing. Like my, my focus is on our daughter. And that was another kind of aha moment and kind of really where I kind of designed my focus on patient safety was on those, uh, those near misses is that I would love to get patients at a point where they're, they have such heightened awareness for safety um, that they feel comfortable enough to kind of ask questions and, and communicate with their care teams, uh, you know, not to, to, to create tension or anything like that, but just to kind of be part of the care conversation uh, and to be part of their care and, and develop a partnership uh, with their providers. And that's really been my focus and my driving point all these years. That's the driving point uh, or the, the main focus of those blogs is really, that's why it's so positive. And that's, that's what I bring every single time I, I, um, I try to inspire others. I'm always positive. You know, I bring a lot of excitement and passion towards it is because I'm trying to, to flip the script, if you will, uh, from being reactive to safety to be more proactive to safety. And there's like there's a lot of a lot of potential fun that can happen there because now we're looking for those things that could potentially cause harm. And that's a very rewarding experience versus when something harms a patient and then you're responsible and you're reacting to that, that, you know, that has some very, you know, negative effects on people sometimes. And so I'm really trying to get not only the, our workforce, but our communities, our patients to really be engaged in that, that proactive mindset uh, for safety. And I, I, I try to bring that, that, that passion and that, and that positivity every, every single time I, I do engagements like uh, with them and, and like this. You know, with podcasts. It's perfect. I love that. And um, Frank, what is the best piece of career advice that you've? Ever um, I would say to to know yourself, to not compare yourself to others. You know, we all have different skills and, and strengths and, and talents that we can bring uh, to the table and to our our projects. So uh, instead of worrying about you know what you're weak at, um, focus on what you're strong at, and 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 really uh, leverage that. You know, while developing in areas that you may be weak, but don't try to, you know, bring them up to the same level as your strengths, because, you know, at the end of the day, we still gravitate towards a certain, uh, you know, um, strength. Um, but yeah, just really focus on know yourself and then focus on your strength. Perfect. And Frank, if you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, with whom would it be and why? So uh, I'm going to cop out a little bit on this because honestly, <laughs> um, I really feel that I'm in the like ideal role for me uh, right now. Um, I don't know of any other place where uh, my leadership would support uh, me doing the work that I'm doing right now uh, with the videos uh, and representing such a, a large organization in this way and to partner with the, the colleagues and the teams that I'm partnering with right now to kind of make uh, that work happen. 
However, there is a doctor outside of our organization that I, I really, he inspires me and it's Dr. Uh, Zubin Demania over at, at Stanford, otherwise known as uh, Z-Dog MD. Uh, and I just love his videos and his creativity and uh, his perspectives. I mean, granted his, his focus is more on the provider side of things, but his message is just so powerful. I just love the way uh, that he had delivers his message. Uh, and it's something that I aspire to become um, in the future. All right. So for, for starters, I follow him as well and I love him and I've written his name down as a hopeful future guest on this podcast. And I, oh, I, don't, good. <laughs> I don't even know exactly where I would go with that particular episode, but yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I really love his message as well. But, um, you know, for the question and the, the cop out that you pleaded on, uh, you know, Frank, I, I feel like I've had about a 50-50 split in terms of people who either, you know, have a new position ready to go in their heads or the folks who say that they would just stay in their current role. So I 100% like my take on it is that's the perfect answer. But, you know, for you specifically, Frank, I, I shared this with you. You know, those, those videos are so really well done. I I I don't mean this in a limiting way. I mean this in like the best way possible. Like I can't imagine you doing anything else. Like those videos to me, I, I, I've, I've heard of Sutter Health, but I've never been there. But when I think of Sutter now, I think of you. And so I can't see you doing anything else. Oh, wow, man. Yeah, seriously. So, so <laughs> well, you thanks, are, man. I appreciate that. Uh, absolutely. So uh, I am 100% okay with your cop out. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Next question I have for you, Frank. I would love if you could share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality improvement. Yeah, you know, I kind of uh, alluded to this earlier, but um, I really try to make it a point to uh, connect with everyone that I that I work with on on our projects and just really try to form uh, genuine relationships. You know, just go beyond like, oh, how are you doing? How's the family? And and that, but really just get to know them uh, as a person. Uh, because again, you know, we all have, you know, interests uh, outside of, of, of work and, you know, those interests could actually lend well, you know, to the work that you guys are engaged in uh, together. And it, it fosters a lot of uh, creativity, uh, but then it also just fosters like a bonding and a, and a relationship. You know, we spend so much time at work uh, and together, you know, we might as well, you know, make it as, as fun as possible and as meaningful as possible for each other by forming these meaningful connections. Perfect. And Frank, do you have a go-to website or mobile application for executing on the work that you lead? Uh, you know, I happen to really enjoy using like Microsoft Teams and uh, and Skype and like video conferencing tools. You know, there's so many emails that come through. Sometimes it's just really nice to just IM someone and, and share documents uh, with Microsoft Teams and collaborate uh, in that way. And uh, yeah, I just also like um, teaching, you know, virtually uh, using like Adobe uh, Connect. It's just a, a, another convenient way of, of, of delivering, you know, important content without having to be uh, physically, you know, in person. And that's definitely true uh, right now with, with COVID-19. But yeah, it's just there are just all these different uh, technological tools out there that we can really use to collaborate. And I think they're all great. And, you know, I, I am 
the biggest fan of Microsoft Teams that I know personally. And oh, awesome. Yeah, the other day I saw a commercial for Microsoft Teams, kind of all connected with COVID and how they're helping healthcare professionals, you know, stay connected and families stay connected. And I, you know, I was just like, oh, if I wasn't a fan before. (laughs) Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Next question I have for you, Frank, is I would love for you to share with our quality people one professional society and one professional conference that you think would be a value add. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's been... Uh, American College of Healthcare Executives, and in particular, uh, the California Association of Healthcare Leaders. Uh, I would encourage um, anyone, the, regardless of your level, to really in, in be engaged with your with your local chapter. I mean, I know that there are other professional associations out there. Uh, you know, I know there are patient safety ones, for example. But what I like about ACHE is that you get such a broad representation. Uh, of executives at, at different levels, and it just really adds a, like a lot of a lot of breadth to the conversations uh, and perspectives that I, I just find really really beneficial. And and the networking is is absolutely phenomenal. And then as far as a professional conference is concerned, um, I'm I'm going to have to give a plug to um, Press Ganey's uh, Safety Summit. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because um, recently uh, they have kind of married patient experience uh, with patient safety. And that's totally aligned with where I see uh, my patient safety going. It's just kind of uh, merging with other disciplines because, I mean, let's face it, you know, a a safe experience is essentially a great experience in in my mind. And so I really like where they're going with that. And it's just a really, really cool conference. Perfect. I love that feedback as well. Um, Frank, if you could recommend one book to our quality people, what would it be and why? So um, I like StrengthsFinder 2.0 by Tom Rath. Uh, I took it several years ago, and I'm sure there are updated editions, but I live by uh, those strengths. Um, I've studied them, and I've thought about them, you know, in terms of just, you know, my makeup and how I present myself. And my top five strengths is very true uh, to who I am as a person and as a professional. And so I purposely look for roles that or, or or find myself in roles that leverage these strengths and that's I think that's kind of really contributed to my uh, success uh, so far and actually another book right now especially um, that, that I like that I think a lot of people that are that may have been either laid off or furloughed recently is uh, the proximity principle by by Ken Coleman and if people aren't familiar with it it's it's a really good book and it, it talks it's a really short read and it talks about how in order to get that dream job, you have to uh, network or connect with those that are actually doing it uh, and get, you know, feedback from them. And, you know, we talked earlier about informational interviews as well. This is what he's advocating for, like, you know, get to them, talk to them and see, you know, learn from them as much as possible and see how you can, you know, customize your own career path based on, on that feedback. So, yeah, the proximity principle by Ken Coleman is, is great. Uh, that's perfect. Um, Frank, one, one uh, quote or a mindset that I've picked up since I started this podcast over the last year or so now has been that you are the average of the five people that you hang around most. And so, ah, yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of what I hear with the proximity principle idea. Um, and that's yeah. a mindset that I push forward as much as possible now um, with the goals that I have for still, you know, my corporate life, but also the business that I'm building. 
I am literally looking at the people that I spend the most time with and asking myself, is this somebody who's in a position that I'm trying to get to? Very similar to what mm. you're Mm-hmm. So um, perfect there. And Strength Finders, I'm actually really familiar with it, but shame to say I've not done it. So um, with your, oh, you recom- do it, man. <laughs> yeah, with your recommendation, I, I, I'm going to plug into it once and for all. I think I literally own the book. I've just never gone through the process and have read the book to apply it. So perfect. Thank you. Yeah, for that. And you know, yeah, admittedly, you know, again, this kind of goes back to my psychometrician uh, role. I mean, this is a form of psychometrics as well, kind of identifying the strength. So I'm naturally drawn to these kinds of things, but it's just so valuable to just learn about who you are and, and what drives you. Um, because I think when you, when you're able to understand that about yourself, uh, then there's, there's no more getting, right? You know who you are and you know what you're capable of and you can just go forth from there. All right. Perfect. I'm, I'm in It's again, kind of one of those on the list things, but yeah. from, from the words of a leader like you, I'm, I'm all in. So, Frank, man, we are right there at the very last question. But, you know, this one is the personal favorite because I'm going to try to get you to reflect on your past while looking forward to your future. So let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a second to think about it. But what would you communicate in each one of those messages? Oh, man. Yeah, this is a <laughs> this is a tough one. Um, so I'm going to start with a future question. And the reason why is because futuristic is one of my top five strengths uh, from Strengths Finder, And I have like this tendency, like whenever I get excited about something, I'm always thinking like ahead, like, ooh, and then we could do this and this and this and this. Uh, and sometimes I really have to force myself to kind of dial it back and to just be present and in the moment. And so that would be my text to myself in the future is just to be present. Um, As far as a text message to my past, you know, um, it would be to kind of be myself. Um, You know, I have a gift and and to honor that gift and don't be afraid to to be vulnerable, to take risks and to kind of put your ideas out there because, you know, why not me? You know, why not you? You know, that's, that's kind of the, the message there is, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's scary, you know, when you have a thought in your mind and you, an idea and you, you want to push it forward, but you're worried what others might think, or you're worried, well, do I have the skills to kind of pull something like this off? Like my videos are a perfect example. I, I went into that thinking like, gosh, I don't know if I, if I'm the right person for this, I don't know if I could do this. And now, you know, several videos later, it's become a part of who I am, you know, my identity uh, professionally. So yeah, just to, to be yourself and to honor your gifts. I, I love both of those thoughts. Um, and again, Frank, man, I, I can't brag about you enough. Just the the couple of conversations we've had, the videos that I've seen, um, everything that I learned about you tonight, it, you know, it, it, it makes me, I, I got to pat myself on the back, Frank, because all I'm thinking is, <laughs> I do such a good job with these guests that I, that I tag for this uh, podcast, man. Um, you know, you're the right person. For- well, I, I had to say, I don't know if I'm, if I, if I deserve that, but I will say that I have listened to a lot of your, I subscribe to your podcast and you have had some, some phenomenal uh, guests on this podcast. So thank you for doing what you do. It's, it's really a, a benefit to us all. Oh, no. Uh, thank you. But seriously, it's, you know, coming across folks like yourself and um, just having that gut feel. And, you know, I, I was in the middle, Frank, of bragging about me, not bragging about you, sir. 
um, you know, when I know I could pick good guests, it's a good night. So um, <laughs> no, seriously, Frank, seriously, they, this is all about you, man. Um, really good episode <laughs> tonight. I appreciate just everything that you shared. I appreciate, you know, your mindset, the things you're applying. And I'm excited for everything that you bring into the industry. Um, but Frank, before I let you go, I would love for you to give our quality people just that parting piece of advice. Um, share with us the best way that we can follow and stay connected with you through social media. And then we will officially sign off. Yeah, you know, I I can't help but to think about what you mentioned, what you mentioned earlier about, you know, there are a lot of people out there that um, may either have been furloughed or are in transition or maybe they've been laid off. And, you know, I keep thinking about, you know, when I was laid off and what that experience was like. And I guess the, the, the parting message would be that, you know, your career is, is a journey. You know, you're gonna, it's going to ebb and flow and you're going to have a lot of high points and, and some low points. Um, but if you happen to be in that low point and you're just kind of searching like, what now? What, what am I going to do now? Just to, to know and honor the fact that, you know, everything is, is connected. Um, even roles that you may have had like as a teenager where maybe it was like customer service or in my case, it was a, a psychometrician role. Never in my life had I envisioned that or, or salsa dancing with entertainment. Never in my life had I envisioned that I would be bringing those elements into my, my current role. And um, rather than to kind of, you know, put the past behind you, I was, I say bring those things forward and really borrow from all of those skills and talents that you've accumulated over the years because essentially that's that's who you are that's that's what you can bring to the table and that is your unique uh contribution uh to our to our industry and and you know we need it we need you so please bring those forward um i'm sorry what was the other question yeah how do we uh how do we find you online oh yes that's right sorry about that yeah i would say linkedin i'm i'm on linkedin a lot just because you know, lately what I've noticed with LinkedIn is that there's like a lot of information sharing and, and just it's just so great to see our industry grow the way that it is. And I just love reading what people are doing um, out in out there in the, you know, the universe. So uh, LinkedIn is where to find me. Very perfect. And we will have your um, LinkedIn link attached with this show. Um, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And again, uh, Frank, your, your takeaway message there was so spot on. Um, Thank you again, just for all your words of wisdom, all the great energy, the passion, um, the change that you're driving within healthcare. I appreciate you sincerely. You know, anything that I can do to support your path, I am there for you. Um, to our quality people everywhere, thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and Frank, and we are officially signing off. Quality people, thank you so much again for plugging in with today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it using the social media link posted in the notes below. I'd also be very grateful if you could subscribe, give us a rating, and also share feedback on what additional value we can bring to you through this podcast. That helps a lot with our show rankings and also with getting this great content out to healthcare leaders around the world. And if you want to engage with me directly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn where I share additional resources, access to our QI community, and much more. All right, quality people, thank you again, and I'll see you back here next week when I introduce you to another quality guest.